0: You've tuned into all things fine and gentry with the connoisseur, French Thompson, where consistently we bring you ideas, concepts, and exposure to thoughtful content, lifestyle enhancements, and opportunities to improve yourself and those around you. Thank you for tuning in and taking a listen to this week's episode. welcome 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 back to all things fine and gentry this is the connoisseur french thompson and i'm so grateful for each and every one of you all for tuning in today and listening it's i I don't take it uh, lightly as i say every week that um so many people decide to actually uh tune in so i really appreciate it we're up to total 7,500 downloads which is actually pretty cool and uh you, you hear my my host, my my guest today, she's excited about it. But um, we're 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 doing quite well, and uh, you know, only uh, about thirty eight or so episodes in is pretty cool. So, um, if this is your first time joining uh, us, we we thank you for joining, and, and hope that uh, after the podcast today, you decide that you actually want to like, share, subscribe, rate, review. That helps us along the way. And for those that are returning listeners, we call you all the connoisseurs. Thank you for uh, tuning in and and being a part of this family and being willing and open to connoisseur, uh, consume new content and ideas and everything along those lines. So pleasantries out the way we are in the middle and actually towards the latter half of our super woman series. And it has been awesome, awesome, awesome. And as I was telling my wife the other night, I'm like, man, it's just, it's amazing how many people that you, when you start looking at uh your yearbooks per se, how many people that you run into that are just killing it and it's so it's awesome. So um if you have not listened to the Superwoman series, please go back and listen to the previous episodes. So many great uh women out here that are doing great things and um and and I, I hope that you all support them uh and celebrate the Superwoman in your life. So today uh we have uh, Dr. Kyla McMullen. I just um it's so much super cool stuff that we're going to talk about today but first just welcome to the podcast how are you doing today
1: i'm pretty good thank you thanks for having me
0: oh this is awesome so she she you all have learned so much about her during this interview but as you all know i do zoom and so Uh, We kind of nerded out on our audio setups as we started here uh, (laughs) in in the beginning, and you'll kind of know why as we go through, but it's pretty cool uh, on on both ends of it. So like we do when we start off the podcast, we give our our guests an opportunity to kind of introduce themselves. So just tell us a little bit about you, where you're from, where you live now, where you went to school, and uh, what you do now.
1: All right. So I was born and raised in Washington, D.C., and then around the time that um, it was time to go to high school, my parents moved to P.G. County. Where, um, Yep. P.G. Pretty Girl County. So <laughs> went to Oxon Hill High School where I met the illustrious French Thompson. Oh, oh
0: you're being too kind. Too <laughs> yeah. kind. But I'll take it. I'll take it.
1: <laughs> and we were in the science and tech program and just a really awesome program that just built lots of really cool scientists, engineers. People just went on to do amazing yeah, things. Yeah. So got a really good foundation there. That was when I really got my hands wet, my feet wet rather. Well, hands wet. because I'm coding in <laughs> computer science, <laughs> and that was where I first, you know, kind of fell in love with computing. So went to the University of Maryland, Baltimore County for undergrad, and I was in the Meyerhoff Scholarship Program there, and that even further instilled, you know, just that sense of the love for science and math and community and support. So um, later went to the University of Michigan, where then yep. we were reacquainted. Yep, yep. <laughs> so I don't know if there are many Oxen Hill slash Wolverines Not, out there.
0: <laughs> actually, um, do you remember Jason Harris?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, Jason. Jason yep, went there that's
0: and true. then, um, oh gosh. I'm oh, Alicia, Alicia? Lori. Yes.
1: Yep, that's right. Okay, so it's like four of us. That's exactly right. (laughs) The Clipper Wolverines. (laughs) So I went there, got my uh, master's and PhD in computer science there. And now I'm a professor at the University of Michigan like check that out i'm a <laughs> professor at the university of florida like university of michigan just rolls off the tongue so fast i'm so used to saying it even though now i would say in october i would have been at florida longer wow. university of michigan just rolls off my tongue i have to be very like selective when i'm like okay university of Oz, florida. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and what do you what do you teach there
1: Oh, I teach computer science. I've taught about four different classes so far. One is an intro to computing for basically the 13th grade. So oh, freshman wow. students. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting class.
0: How can funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's a very interesting class. Um, but this is where they basically decide if computing is even for them. Right. And then um, I've taught a special topics course, which is on my research area, which is 3D audio and applications and adding really cool immersive audio to things like virtual reality, augmented reality. That's dope. Um, just make yeah, it's really cool. Like we make some really cool effects at my lab. So that's that's always fun. Um, I've also taught computers in modern society, which is a course that teaches our computer scientists and engineers how to be responsible to think about the ethical implications, the societal implications, the technological implications of the things they make, because we can't just teach them how to make stuff and then send them out into the world like they need to be responsible humans. Yes. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I've seen
0: I've seen one too many sci fi movies where the machines take over. So please make sure we do it right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So that's, that's a fun course as well. And the other course is human computer interaction. And that is just like a, you just throw everyone into all the topics that have to do with a human interacting with a computer. So it's interface design, it's learning like all the different rules for how to create interfaces that people can use and don't get frustrated with like how the screen needs to look, how the different information flows need to go. So those are the, the
0: courses I teach. So, UIUX, essentially, that type of stuff. Yeah.
1: Well, actually, UIUX is a different class. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's, it's, but sometimes people take them together. Nice. Um. But yeah, but it's, they have, there's a lot of overlap. There's a decent amount of overlap.
0: That's dope. All right. So, you got the credentials. Now, let's dig into it a little bit more. <laughs> so, so, you talked about like Oxy Hill and science and tech, and that's kind of how you got it too. But is, is that, was that really your first foray into? uh computer engineering uh computer science or like did you have people in your life that kind of pushed you that way or you were exposed elsewhere
1: that's funny so i really didn't have like a formalized learning of computers and like no one really knew about computer science like if my family or family friends Um, I remember I just wanted a computer really Mm. bad. And I was like, we need to figure out what this computer does because this is about to be the wave." (laughs) So we, um, my parents, you know, we got a computer that my uncle put together. So I always thought he was super cool because he would, you know, put in every time that he would either come visit or we go see him. He had all these computer parts all over the place and he would build computers and he didn't have any training in it like you know he had a normal nine to five but he just really liked tinkering with computers so he put together our first computer it was like windows 3.1 <laughs> so, um, <laughs> i'm definitely dating myself right. and you had to write command colon backslash wind exe
0: to start it up c prompt backslash
1: exactly <laughs> And then you go and make your dinner. And then when you come back, it's up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Folks listening right now are like, what in the world? I, I remember Oxen Hill. <laughs> I can't remember which class it was, but we it might have been CAD. And we had these old Mac computers. I mean, back then, it, yes. was, it was what it was. But those old Mac computers. And I, I remember I was like, I hate Mac. This is horrible. I don't. <laughs> But then like my whole life now is all Mac, Apple, like, it's, mm-hmm. but it's so it's, it's interesting to see the the evolution of computers. Right. And I mean, we're really the generation that grew up with computers. Right. And, you know, it, it's, it's pretty cool there. All right. So so you got exposed to it from your uncle and at, at Oxen Hill. I mean, how did you decide? I mean, this is because, again, it was a fairly. I don't call it new, but it was still fairly new when we were growing up as far as pursuing this career. So how did you kind of settle in on it at UMBC?
1: Oh, that's a good point. So uh, backtracking to Oxon Hill, like there were maybe two computer science classes mm-hmm. and I think it was computer math and then like maybe AP computer science or something like that. And I guess you could pick like tracks in science and tech, and it was like, I think engineering, like a biochemical sort of one and then computer. And I was like, I'm gonna learn about this computer. (laughs) So (laughs) I picked that track and um, luckily that same year, you know, we had a new, remember Mr. Ware? Yes. Uh, Yeah. So he was new that same year that that I taught, I think my junior year, he Mm. was new and I was like, oh my gosh, Mr. Ware is cool. And he also knows how to code. And he came in and talked about the basketball game. And, you know, he was just up on pop culture and, like, still could code. And to me, like, that was such a barrier. I felt like, mm. you know, I didn't identify at all with people who coded because I was like, oh, that's just basically good white boys. Like, right. I don't really myself turn into a white boy anytime soon. So <laughs> I was a little just apprehensive about it. But, like, just signing up for the class anyway and being like, let me just... Go ahead and see what it's about. And then, you know, having that affirmation, like when you walk in the classroom, like, okay, people like me do do this. So that was really cool. So then I remember my mom was like, oh, you need to find a major for college. So I remember taking that application around to every class and being like, English, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Math, nope. And then I was like, computer science, I could do this. You know, just thinking about what could I do long term. And I was like, well, I actually do like this class. So it didn't even dawn on me back then that that was something I should major in
0: wow that's cool so when you were at UMBC right I mean I mean ultimately people I think in any career but especially in STEM um you make a choice early on if either you're going Mm -hmm. to kind of go in an academic research path or application path right Um, Mm -hmm. And so how did you make that that determination? Right. Because you you easily could have went to work for Microsoft or any of that type of stuff. How did you make that determination to go one way or the other?
1: Oh, that's a good point, because they told me I was going to. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I'm so serious. Like, at, I think they came to um, you. They came to oxon Hill and did this whole presentation for like, you know, I guess the students who had like top grades and then you apply for the program. But when you come for the selection weekend, you introduce yourself as hello, I'm going to be Dr. So-and-so wow. and my and I'm going to get my PhD and blah, blah, blah. So they basically at 17 years old told you you're getting a PhD and we're going to groom you for that. And you're like, yeah, you're paying for my college. So I'm going to do whatever it is you I'll take it. (laughs) Sure. I'll take it. But, you know, you kind of you walked in not really knowing what to expect, but they really groomed us for research and for inquiry. And that's why UMBC quick plug slash commercial is like one of the highest producers of African-American MD-PhDs and, you know, in America. And like, you know, the uh, Kizmika Corbett. Kizzy was a few cohorts below me who helped to create the Moderna vaccine. Yeah. yeah. So she's you know, we, we we're not slouches over there. So, you know, <laughs> when, they, when they bring you in from high school telling you you about to get a Ph.D., you're like, OK, I'll think about it.
0: That's dope. That's dope. All right. So you're at UMBC. You're you're in this program. You're already calling yourself a doctor. Um, right. How did you decide to choose Michigan? I mean, I know why I chose Michigan. Yeah. Top school, plus they gave me money, but um <laughs> why did you <laughs> why'd you choose Michigan?
1: I would say exactly what you said. <laughs> Basically, they definitely were top school. I think they were like number six in the nation for in like uh public universities in computer science, like in my specific department. Yeah. And Even back then, I was like, well, even if I want to change, they are ranked highly in so many other fields where even if I changed my major, I would still be in a good program. They paid for my PhD. That's another uh, big component. And then the visit won me over. Um, They did like a visitation program. And I remember walking into the Meyerhoff office or something completely different probably to use the printer or something Mm. and someone said hey they have a michigan trip for engineers you should sign up i'm like i don't want to go to michigan are they even on eastern time (laughs) is that canada (laughs) like i was giving so much (laughs) sass and attitude and they were mr Harmon was just like kyla you like to travel if you don't have to go there if you don't like it i'm like oh yeah you got a point huh (laughs) (laughs) So I signed up to go on the trip, and I was, from that point, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like a football school. Like, I felt like I was going to get a a college experience, not that university wasn't, UMBC wasn't college, it was more, you know, kind of isolated, small honors university in Catonsville kind of tucked away, but they had a football team, UMBC doesn't have a football team, but I felt like, and then the other part was I felt the support from the students, like, there were so many different networks. Like I think Meepo was there when yep. you were there yep. and there were just uh, the minority engineering program, program office is that. Yep. And there was just so much support for students of color and just all students in general. I felt like there was a good sense of community and I didn't feel that at other schools. So that's true. that was, that helped me. No, I mean, that,
0: that's interesting. As I look back on when I, you know, went to Michigan after I left Morehouse, um, you know, because had a choice. You know, so either you going to go to Columbia or do Georgia Tech or any of those things. But I went to Michigan. It's kind of like, yo, this place is actually pretty cool. You know, and like to your point, like you really felt like you were going to get this true, you know, uh, Big Ten, you know, large college, you know, experience, et cetera. And then reality hit, and you realize you would spend most of your time on North Campus on the engineering campus. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but then
1: it made it like a small university too. So it, it was did. like,
0: okay, it's
1: fifty thousand people here, but these eight thousand are on this one campus. So I, I, I like
0: that part. Yeah, it was cool. All right, so so let's talk about your your time in Michigan, right? So um, you already knew you were going to be a doctor, but you essentially pursued. A very difficult degree at a very difficult university, and essentially kind of came out. I like kind of you came out on top, right, with accolades. So, what was that like, right? Um, you already kind of gave the the difference between like a smaller school versus a larger school, but how did that time at Michigan kind of guide your your mindset on what you really wanted to do or hone in on, kind of your 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 path?
1: Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) Well, you can't just answer that one just off the cuff. Well, I can start off with like when you said uh, it was a difficult program, difficult university. I didn't know it was hard coming Mm. in. So I went in like, yes, cool. I do well. I can do this. (laughs) And then I got very humbled that first semester. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's the difference between graduate education and undergrad, because I feel like undergrad, it's more of a, what do you know recite it back to me and grad school was more now apply it to this thing that you've never seen before. Yeah. So I remember having a test where I did not stop writing the entire test and I still did not finish. And I'm like, this is not humanly possible, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, it was definitely difficult, but, um, I would say it was a wild ride. It was a mm-hmm. roller coaster. Um, there are definitely lots of downs and lots <laughs> of ups. So, the first semester was a definite down, but being at UMBC prepared me yeah. very well because UMBC Meyerhoff didn't just take people who were, oh, the top of the class. Like I was a valedictorian, a salutatorian, but we had a lot of people who were used to not struggling, but you had the skills to figure things out, to grind out. through. And it. Some yeah. Exactly. And I feel like some people are underserved if things just kind of come easy to them, because then when they don't, they don't know how to cope. So for me, it just came, okay, this is difficult. Let me reach into my bag of tricks. Okay, let me find my study group. Let me like already had the formation, you know, to just go ahead and succeed. So Never got anything under B plus after that, mostly A's. But that first semester, I was on academic probation. I was just like doing everything wrong. I didn't listen to one of my mentors who was like, "Don't take these three classes together." And I'm like, "Hell no, me! I had a three nine two. I'm from my heart. Like I was being big cocky when I selected my classes." And he was like, "Okay, all right." And I got very humbled <laughs> the first <laughs> semester. <laughs> so, you know, I went back to listening to people who, you know, have who've been in my space, and, yeah. you know, the whole mentorship thing and um, seeking out help and not feeling like, oh, I'm required to know everything. It was a huge exercise in humility. I think that was that's one of the really big pieces. Like not being afraid to not know things, and I think it's also an efficiency thing. Like, if I try to slave and figure out something for seven hours versus asking a person who knows and we resolve this thing in thirty minutes, like it didn't, it, it doesn't help me to waste those seven hours. You know, yeah, I might know it just as well at the end of both scenarios, but I have more time yeah. back if I. know that's, that's
0: that's real. I mean, <clears throat> I remember my my fresh my freshman year, my first year at Michigan. And it was kind of the same thing, right? Because there there were no, you, know, you, you didn't have um, extracurricular courses that you could pad the GPA with, right? It was just straight engineering classes. And right. it's kind of sitting here like, okay, so I need to do all of this. And I don't know anybody. <laughs> and yeah, I, I mean, I know, like you said, I know how to grind. But how do I grind harder and smarter? Really how do I grind smarter versus harder and being able to get through and do that. So, one of the things that I thought was very interesting at Michigan, you talked about the community, but um, you know, depending on your on your uh, major, uh, you you can be the only one there. There's no, I mean, if anybody's looked at this mm-hmm. podcast, they, 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 you're you're a black woman, right? So there's no excuse on that or, or surprise. How was it, kind of being a minority in computer science, computer engineering, but then also pursuing in, in graduate school? you know, did you, did you find that to be difficult? Did you find that to be an extra hurdle to hop over? Or did you find actually support that you weren't expecting along the way?
1: All of the above. So uh, at UMBC, I definitely didn't feel like a minority in computer science. Um, I was, but everyone was from everywhere. So I felt like, you know, I think UMBC is usually like number one or two in terms of like most diverse campuses in America. Oh wow! So that's, Yeah, so that's really cool. I learned a lot about other cultures. And of course, I had Meyerhoff. So, um, you know, there's a decent amount of support. But fast forward to Michigan, there are no Black women in the department. So um, my first semester, I really struggled with imposter syndrome. Mm. And so people don't know what that means. It's um, when you feel like you're only there because of a fluke. You don't deserve to be there, even when you have the credentials to put you in the door. So. Um, that was definitely a huge, huge hurdle and challenge. But as you mentioned, you might be the only one in your engineering discipline, but when you get all the people in engineering together, that's the only one or one of two, we got a pretty critical mass. Right. So that became my family. So it was called SMESG, and um, they had activities, and we go on trips and just have meetings and just talk about things relative to us. So Society of Minority <laughs> Engineering
0: Graduate Students. Yes, yes. <laughs> Ra- it also didn't random I, I just, like <laughs> engineers come up with the worst acronyms like i think the oh, the, the last great acronym was <laughs> like Nesby. after that it was just kind of <laughs> it was just like <laughs> smash g sounds so yeah, yeah. i'm sorry
1: <laughs> yeah they've changed their names i think i forget what it's called now but they've changed their name in the past like few years oh, well, but i forget now. what the name is but <laughs> Yeah, but then the SMESG people don't recognize it anymore. So it's like, what is this, GMS or something? It's like something, some other like combination of those letters. But yeah, we can, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, having that community was really cool. I also um, came with my roommate who was from UMBC as well. Um, And we weren't actually that good of friends in undergrad. We knew each other, but she was a year ahead of me. And we were roommates when we got there, and she was in electrical engineering. So she's probably like the third Black woman to graduate in electrical engineering with a PhD at Michigan. And then um, I don't know if you remember Afton and Aston,
0: the twins. Yes, yes.
1: Yes. So they also came, and they had been at UMBC as well. So I went to, oh yeah, so again, there are other Clipper Wolverines, you know, high school, college, grad school. So I had a good sense of, uh, of community there. So when things got rough, like my dissertation defense got canceled and all kinds of crazy stuff happening. I remember them being like, look, you can be sad for the next 30 minutes and we're going to plan <laughs> and figure out <laughs> what's going to happen. Like they let me sit in my little pump for a little bit. And then we had to strategize cause I was ready to leave the program.
0: So this is interesting. Um, along your your path, right? And we're going to talk even more post, you know, postdoc. Um, but along your path, how how influential um, has that been to have people in your corner, right? I think a lot of times it's, one, it's difficult to have people that can empathize with the situation that you're going through, regardless of what it is, be it academic, personal, social, spiritual, et cetera. Um how 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 much of an influence i guess was that on your on your success along the way
1: oh it was a hundred percent critical to my success like if i didn't have my community and people in my corner i wouldn't have finished like i i'm a hundred percent sure of that like there was one point where um I was gonna leave the program twice so the first time (laughs) was right after my master's and I was just having problems like getting a really good research lab Mm. and advisor and that whole situation I had I had interviewed at Google had an offer all that good stuff and I was like I'm about to go because y'all are crazy (laughs) and I remember you know talking to someone who was like well what exactly do you need to get this thing going Mm. And, and I named everything and they were like like one of them was I wanted to do originally educational software for kids. And that was my project to get through. Yeah. So I was working with a really prominent researcher in this space. But what happens when people are famous, they don't have time. So I'm like, I don't know research. I need you to mentor and show me the things. And it just, it wasn't working out. And um, it was just bad timing, I think. But this person got me access to a Head Start program. Mm. I collected all the data I needed. I developed what I needed. And I wouldn't have gotten through that mouse. And then I had um, my dissertation advisor that ended up, you know, helping me through to the right. PhD. I went to him and was like, look, these people in the department are crazy. <laughs> You're supposed to be the advocate. What am I supposed to do? And he ended up, you know, being like, Well, what, what's your project about? Oh, I have experience in that. I can help you get this project done so you can get past your qualifiers so you can become a PhD candidate. So then once that happened, then I switched and just started working on projects in his lab. So, completely switched research areas. But if I hadn't reached out to him and if he wasn't there in my corner, yeah. again, gone. I yeah. would have been all the way gone.
0: Well, I mean, so it's all about community. You've been in the Cupertino or, you know, <laughs> San Jose, you know, making yep. whatever Google people make. So. Out
1: in, man, it, I mean, I think it was the New York office, though. That was the one I had the offer for. I'm like, okay. East still, right? Like Coastal. I was going to leave and be fine. Like I'm like, y'all are all crazy. If this is what it takes to get a PhD, I could keep it. But I was <laughs> I was done.
0: All right. So <laughs> so post Michigan or post PhD, um, then what? Like what? Where, where do, how do you decide what to do next?
1: Oh, good point. That's, that is a funny story. So all through grad school, um, you know, they have different programs for you to figure out what you want to do next. And I just knew I did not want to be a professor. I'm yeah. like, I don't know what I want to do. I just know I don't want to be a professor. And why was that? And I used to watch. I just thought professors were boring. I was like, I don't want to just write papers all day. I don't want to just grade and talk to people for an hour at a time. Even though I like to talk. I'm like, even in my own lecture, I'm like, are you tired of hearing me talk? <laughs> But I just had this view of just what professors were and what they did that just wasn't true. So um, I knew I didn't want to do that. So then my dream was to always come back to D.C. and work for some three-letter organization. Because I like 24. I like Jack Bauer. I was like, I want to fight crime with computers. That was my... (laughs)
0: NCIS (laughs) feature.
1: Exactly. I want to be Abby. (laughs) So that was my goal. And then, um, you know, I just applied to lots of different places and I just, the opportunities that were coming back weren't all that amazing Mm. to me. And then um, Dr. Juan Gilbert, he, I had met him my second year, another uh, Nocta community. Um, He has this conference that was called A.A. ARCS, it was AARCS, so African-American Researchers in Computer Science. Mm. So I met all of these Black people who were doing research in computer science, like, after my first semester. I'm like, oh, okay, we're all, like, the only one at our school, but we had this, like, virtual community as well. Um, Anyway, when I finished, uh, Juan was like, hey, um, I know you just finished at Michigan, send me your resume and I'm thinking he's going to send it to his industry friends. Cause we've already talked about this. Yeah. He knows I don't want to be a professor. He's like, Oh yeah, I sent it to the faculty at Clemson. They want you to come for an interview. And I'm like, that's not what this was about.
0: <laughs> no, you got <laughs> so, this all wrong. all wrong.
1: Exactly. I'm like, I don't want to be a professor. And so he's like, well, just come down and practice giving your talk about your research, you know, because they don't think that black people can do research. Like He definitely did a whole mind trick. He's like, you know, it's just, it's just the talk. I get down there. It is a whole interview. I got a schedule. I'm meeting with people. I'm like, he has all the way tricked me. So um, I got down there and I actually saw other researchers doing stuff that like was in line with what I was doing. And he was the department chair. So at the end we had a talk and he's like, why don't you want to be a professor? Mm. And then I told him all the things I thought about professors. And he's like, so that's not true. <laughs> and so I, and I was like, OK, I don't want to write grants. He's like, well, he's like, why?" I'm like, I don't know how. And if a huge portion of your job depends on how many grants you write, I don't want to do that. He's right. like, well, I'll teach you next. Like it was just like, what's your problem? Solve that. Next. So then I was like, okay, I'll I'll entertain this uh this professor thing. And I thought about it this way too. You only have a limited window for academia mm. after you finish your PhD. So even if I don't succeed in academia, there's time to go to industry Got at it. any time. But if you start off in industry, you have to remain publishing. You need to go to conferences. Like you have to remain so research active in addition to your actual job or it's hard to jump back in. So I have decided hmm, I'll give this a try. And if it doesn't work, I can always go somewhere else.
0: That's so, real. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so. All right. So you, you're at Clemson. Yep. And you, you, be, you become what you don't want to be, which, you know, you're like <laughs> now you're professor. Um, right,
1: because I, I didn't know about the travel and all that. Like, I used to stay in the sky. They knew me at the Sky Lounge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so so now you, you've you become essentially somebody that you looked up to, right? Somebody that you that became mm-hmm. a resource to others. Did you find yourself being <clears throat> sought out or sought after by minority students? Or, you know, did you feel... Either that or did you feel some type of obligation to, hey, I have to show them, hey, this is you. This is my story. And this is how I got here. What what was that like?
1: Oh, yeah. I didn't have a chance to feel obligated because they were knocking on my door like, I heard you are Dr. McMullen. And I know I'm in information systems or I'm in, you know, IOE, but I want to come talk to you.
0: Wow. Was that <laughs> so overwhelming? I had to pretty-
1: sort of but not really mm. because i was still around their age yeah. so yeah. <laughs> it was it, it more so felt like a near peer kind of situation where you know if you're a phd candidate and you're i don't I don't remember how old i was but we were like you know three years different so you know the grad students would invite me to events so i would come out and you know people didn't know i was a professor other than the person or two people who invited me so Um, but yeah, people would, I I just enjoy mentoring people because I feel like the PhD isn't something that should be thought of as just being, Oh, it's so difficult. Oh, Mm -hmm. it's so this, the secrets to how to do it are very well hidden. So once you learn how to think the way academia wants you to think, and once you, it's just a game, like once you learn the game, learn the rules. Then you can strategize and say, "Okay, this is how I complete this." So, but the rules are often hidden. So I don't mind telling people, "Look, this is how I did it. Do this if I could go back. Do this Mm. instead." So,
0: yeah. What? what, I love when people just drop stuff and then it messes up my whole like carefully curated (laughs) list of questions. But what would you have done differently? Right, just high level. You you, you stated it right. I mean, would you Mm -hmm. had gone to a different school or what you had done, you know, a different direction in research? Like, what what would that have been, looked like differently for you? I
1: think the first thing I would have done differently, well, first, listen, <laughs>
0: first, uh, people tell you,
1: you know, advice about classes, but on the research front, I would have recognized a bad scenario when it was bad mm. and gotten out a lot quicker. So I'm very happy I ended up with the um, professor I'm with, but I think I wasted a couple years wow. not getting out of a scenario. And I think the like the other student who was in the previous lab, the one that I left, she had been there 10 years. Wow. So and that's a lot. <laughs> like usually five, six years is the norm. But she's like, I'm so far in, I can't leave. And, you know, she would try to help me with things. But she's also, you know, trying to figure stuff out on her own. But I would have left a bad scenario a whole lot earlier
0: um that's a life lesson right there
1: yeah just just not even being ashamed and feeling like a failure because as a student you think oh this thing didn't work out everyone's gonna look at me crazy ain't nobody paying you attention Mm. attention to you and even students now like I have a student who recently changed to my lab who's in a very similar scenario as I was I wish I was in your lab sooner I'm like But I thought people were going to say, people were going to do, forget people. Like, don't live for people. Do what is going to be the best for you. And don't worry about what people are going to say. So I think I would have done that. Um, What else? I wouldn't have changed much. Like, I really do think community is really amazing and really key. So I wouldn't have stopped any of the extracurricular community stuff that I did. Um, But yeah, recognizing a bad scenario and getting out. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> All right. So let's let's pivot a bit here. Um so I kind of want to hit into Superwoman stats. So um, you know, as I've told people, I mean, when I started the podcast, almost it's been a year now, um, I also got back into social media after essentially hiatus since undergrad. And so I was
1: um, very surprised <laughs> to see you on social media actually.
0: As, you know, a bunch <laughs> of people hit me up, like, is this actually you or is this like a thing? <laughs> <laughs> there was somebody this hacked account and has said all these things. So you, you you get a little spicy on social, which is pretty awesome. um And well, I, I want to start with the, the the Google Me post. So if you could kind of just give a background of it, and you know what what led to to the statement, and then I really kind of want to talk about when you Google yourself, like what do you think, and, and go from there. So go ahead.
1: <laughs> Okay, so the Google me, the incident, <laughs> um, there was a guy who I went to high school with, he's actually on my bus, and he was so mean to me, just, you know, the way teenagers yeah. can be mean, and I, I hadn't thought about that man for so long, and so eventually, I think he found me on Facebook and sent me a message, and just, I didn't feel like entertaining him. Like yeah. whatever it was I was doing that day, I was like, oh, he's just bothering me. And then he's like, oh, what have you been up to? And I was just like, Google me, Google me. Cause I don't have time to educate you. The internet can tell you, read a book. <laughs> and so then he comes back. He's like, oh yeah, I'm so proud of you. And then he says, if, you know, I'm glad I was mean to you because that helped to make you better or something along those lines. And I'm like, really, you are gonna find a way to justify <laughs> yourself being crazy so you know god bless them
0: god bless them so so that's dope right because i hadn't googled myself in a while and then i was like man i wonder what comes up and i was you know like oh that's pretty cool but you know i googled you because i was like well she's like google me and put that on her story i'm like yeah let's keep this and it was like you know four pages of the, of google right so yeah no i, I mean if anybody's listening to you like you're humble you're down to earth, right? You didn't come into I this am. thing, you know, with this, hey, I'm about to, you know, be on the cover of, you know, Research Digest or, you know, something like that. <laughs> um, how has it been? Right. Because you've spoken at conferences. I mean, obviously your accomplishment at Michigan being the, the first black woman to to go through your program, um, woman of color, period, uh, to go through yeah. the program. Um, you know, what, what when you take a step back? Right. And I mean, we're not that old, right? We're just celebrating twenty years of graduating mm-hmm. from high school. That's um, right. <laughs> um, you know, how does that feel, right? Do, do, do you feel that it was, it was, you know, it has been worth it? Do you feel even more humble? Like, what is that like?
1: It's a mixture of emotions because you know when it's happening. Like I didn't seek to be this person yeah. at all. I wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna be the first woman of color to graduate from this program. I was looking for a mentor. It always goes back to community. Yeah. And I asked, you know, one of the grad chairs, you know, can you put me in touch with some black woman who's been through this? Cause everybody again, everybody <laughs> here is crazy. <laughs> but I need to talk to a black woman so we can, I need to calibrate. And she was like, I've been here 20 years and I can't recall a black woman coming through here wow. and um, then I knew someone who worked in the grad school and she had someone look it up in records and they said, Oh, if she finishes, she'll be the first. And I was like, Oh, they say if wow. they say if. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that part was really, really crazy. When I Google myself, I don't Google myself <laughs> because it's 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 just uh, the highlight reel, you yeah. know. It's really easy to put all of your really good accomplishments online and be like, I'm that person every day. I'm like, no, I'm ashy today. (laughs) (laughs) But it's easy to like, I don't want to sit in that because I don't ever want to lose the relatability because I want people to aspire to be where I am. And the farther away people feel like they are from you and where you are, the less that they see that they can be there. So I'm like, nope, I am regular schmegular. And you know, yes, you can Google all these wonderful things about me, but I'm also a normal person, and I hope that kind of closes that gap, so people don't feel like I'm down here, they're up there. How do I get up there? So I don't like that. That's
0: good. That's y'all. Y'all need to rewind about uh, forty (laughs) five seconds and listen to that again. That's that's pretty dope. All right, so I'm wondering is is this what led to the Modern Figures podcast, right? And and kind of having that so you shaking your head. Yeah. So kind of how, how'd you come up with it? Or, you know, you and your partner, how did you come up with the podcast and kind of just talk a little bit about that?
1: Oh, yeah. So this came out of a meeting that it was a really, really spirited meeting <laughs> is what I'll call it. Um, there is a national resource in CWIT, which is the National Center for Women and in Information Technology. And there was a meeting where it was very apparent that there weren't enough resources for black women mm. in computing. So, um, I talked to the coordinators afterwards, and I was also affiliated with IMCS, which is the Institute for African-American mentoring in computing sciences. And that's uh, Juan Gilbert, who I told you maybe mm-hmm. be a professor. He was the, you know, he's the leader of that. Wow. And, um, I was there in that capacity. And I said, you know, we should do something because we have the Black folks in computing. Y'all have the women. Hey, guess what? There are Black people who are also women. Yeah. So how about, we, you know, <laughs> create something? So um, we toyed around with some ideas and we landed on a podcast to really highlight the stories of Black women. And my friend Jeremy, who um, was the postdoc for that project slash program manager slash thebomb.com, <laughs> you know about it and Jeremy um also has a background in you know just being a person who's able to just in I would I want to say media but I guess performance we'll say performance <laughs> is her background <laughs> and you know we talked about it and we were like okay well how do you do a podcast kind of like where you started yeah. like let me look up how to do a podcast so we did like an online podcast course and we're like okay I can do that I can do that technical side I'm like okay this is how you publish it this is how you do this all right, let's try something out. Let's make an episode. And then we thought about people in our community because story and storytelling are so influential. When people can see themselves in a person who's somewhere they want to be, that does, any, that does way better than any PSA, yeah, any you yeah. can do it message. So, and, you know, I've been in this community, again, extrovert, outgoing, I know a lot of Black women in computer yeah. science, even though Silicon Valley will tell you, they don't exist. Let me send you my phone. <laughs> so, you know, we literally just made a list of the people we want to interview. And that thing is about 100 people long now. And That's we cool. continually meet people. And these are people like we know, like I can call you and say, did you see Scandals? Girl, <laughs> you know, these are people who we have like connection with. So um, we just saw a niche where these stories weren't being told, you know, and not everybody comes from, Oh, I didn't have anything. Yeah. And, you know, they like yeah. to paint that as the story for minorities, this sort of story of lack and coming from nothing. And no, we come from all sorts of walks of lives. We do lots of different kinds of things and we're interested in all different kinds of
0: things. Yo. So, so what's so interesting about this, and I'll let you take a sip from your podcast juice. FYI. She,
1: <laughs> oh yeah, She has, okay. she has her
0: own podcast juice. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting. So when I started, the podcast, right? It was just people that I knew, um and then you start realizing how many people you know, like how many people are in your literal Rolodex. Um, and somebody hit me up. I don't know, maybe twenty episodes in, and it was like, "Yo, like the quality of the people you have on the podcast is awesome, right?" Like it's just, it's a, it's a reflection of like black excellence, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm like. In my mind, I'm not looking at it that way. I'm like, hey, these are people that I know or that I'm connected right. with, right? And I'm like, hey, like literally like, oh, for real? What you do? Let's talk about it on the podcast, right? Just to kind of catch up. <laughs> but to your point, right, that it isn't always a story, especially in that the minority side of things. It's not always the story of, you know, I grew up from nothing, right? And, you know, all these things, it, it just there's a diversity of experiences and nothing taken away from folks that have been able to do something from nothing but you do have a lot of people you know who were blessed to go to magnet middle schools science and tech high schools went to these types of things and were and are still able to to be relatable but also have um, experiences that can be shared and people were like yo you know that's a that that's an awesome that's an awesome story not just from an entertainment perspective but to the same point that people can look at at those folks and say hey that gap between where i am and where they are isn't that far apart and it's obtainable Mm -hmm. right and i think that's really as i look at life overall and you know all things fine and gentry being a connoisseur right it's it's about attainability not about um you know looking at something that's unattainable like literally just a quick random note like i had used to subscribe to gq and esquire magazines <clears throat> and then i, I got I'm not rid surprised of, yeah <laughs> but i got rid of my esquire uh subscription because i felt that it was they always were showing me stuff that was unattainable right mm. that it was you know five thousand dollar suits you know now this you know 10 15 years ago you know, $5,000 suits, everything's bespoke and all these types of things. I was like, GQ felt like it was obtainable. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I always want to have a lifestyle that is uh, uh, fine and gentry, but not so much that a person looks and say that, that I can't do that too. And it's really cool to hear people in their stories and kind of talk about that. So um,
1: that's awesome.
0: Yeah. All right. All right. So a few more things here, because it's not about me. This is about you. Um, no,
1: I want to say one thing about you, and this is a great point to put it in. Y'all, French did not wear jeans a single day in high school. <laughs> he has always been
0: all things fine and gentle. You know, I my last two years I worked at men's warehouse, right? So I was like, I might as well, you know, you know, look the part here. So that's true. That's true. <laughs>
1: FBLA president. I'm just FB, saying.
0: FBLA. You know what's crazy is that. Yep. When I talk to people, like from high school, like I thought you were FBLA. You were supposed to be like this business, you know, guy. What'd you go to engineering for? It's like, man, it's just it's it's weird how all this stuff comes together. But yeah, I remember we had a good time at FBLA. Um, Yeah, we did. (laughs) Future business leaders of America. We just throwing out acronyms out here. We just
1: (laughs) yes, future business leaders of America. It was was good times. I only dressed up on the Thursday we were supposed to dress (laughs) up. French was FBLA all day.
0: Had to. Had to. (laughs) Every day. All right. So so we, we we touched about, you know, mentoring young women in STEM. Do you feel from when you um, when you started 20 years ago? Right. Yeah, I don't want to make you feel old, but you just
1: call me old.
0: <laughs> we all we all there <laughs> 20 years ago to now. Do you feel that that gap has closed? Do you feel I mean, could not now you're. You know, tenured professor at University of Florida, right? I mean, do you when you look? We getting
1: there. The packet is thin. We, I'm not tenured yet. We claim it. it. We, we claim it. We claim it. Claimed. name it and claiming it. Shondo. <laughs> do do you,
0: do you feel that the gap has closed? Right? Do you feel that you're seeing a lot more, and that it is more obtainable, or do you still see that there's you know a significant gap to to kind of close?
1: I think there's still a lot of, they call them gatekeepers Mm. still out there, but that generation is retiring. So I do feel like it is becoming more obtainable. I think there are national missions to make it easier for people. So I do think it is closing, um, but it's still hard. It's not like, oh, it's completely closed yet. And even like social media, I joke about how I'm like, man, if TikTok existed when I was a grad (laughs) student, I would be killing it like I, I don't know why but sometimes it's just like I get the grad student memes and like stuff on my timeline I'm like I didn't have nobody to joke with about this when I was in grad school but now I feel like it's a little more normalized mm. at least if I follow you know the grad student hashtags or things like that because those come up because of the podcast but um because we mostly speak to people who are in school for yeah. computing but you know it really slots their experience but anyway I do think the gap is closing. It is becoming more obtainable, but significance will probably come in 10 years once we Mm. get more people in critical positions who can make these systematic changes. Because like for me, I'm an assistant professor. So after six years, you become associate and that's when you get tenure. But there's very little change that I can affect Mm. as an assistant professor. And not because they haven't given me the power to, you're incentivized not to make any waves. You're basically on a six-year job interview wow. where it's like, do not rock the boat or you may not have a job. So you always want to, you know, smile with all your coworkers and let the dean have the best feelings about you when you really like. I like our dean, so I'm not talking about her, but like, you know, if there's something that happens, you might feel a little like weary to voice your opinion, especially wow. if it opposes everything that's happening. So um, it's closing because we're getting more people who are younger who feel like, look, just because you got haze going through this process doesn't mean you need to haze everybody who is going through. And I really like my colleagues and coworkers at UF because we all subscribe to this policy. Of we're not just making things hard for hardness sake. Yeah. Like we want really good researchers. So it's coming. It's definitely coming. That
0: is very interesting. And I'm going to have to bring you back on to talk about just education overall. That's, you opened up some stuff there in regards to like the professor track, right? And the tenure track and the challenges associated with it. Wow, that's, ooh, there's some stuff oh, yeah. I, want to, I want to unpack there. But you said something interesting because the last thing I want to ask you about was your spicy Thursday uh, oh, yeah. uh, Instagram <laughs> post that you have. But it's interesting, right? Because you said like you were incentivized not to make waves, but your post on Thursdays is a, you know, a mashup of spiciness all the waves all the way <laughs> so so one kind of talk about where that came from but number two you feel very you you appear right even on the podcast and stuff like that even on your social to be vocal is the wrong word because there's a negative connotation to that but uh you know liberated enough to kind of just share and be authentically you right in the process um you know how did you get there knowing mm-hmm. all of the other stuff that weighs on on you pursuing your research being a public figure being a professor all these things but still being able to be relatable and connectable and authentic how 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 have you where where did you get that right when did you i guess flick the switch if there was a switch to flick and then you know how have you kind of worked through um, work through through that process there so
1: it was a lot of self-reflection and i think it also happened like number one my family is crazy (laughs) and (laughs) i grew up in a family where you just say how you feel Mm. but i was never that person i was always like oh i'm just gonna be quiet and i don't know my grandma was a very spicy person Mm and i think when she passed like i really embody a lot of who she was that's like good. she was definitely she loved really hard but she was not afraid to tell you how she felt and um, so that was one two it was definitely a lot of self reflection mm. because it's really hard to not be authentic like that's a lot of work <laughs> like i'd rather just be me all day like i don't want to put any extra work that's into good. like i'm not mean but i don't feel like Dressing up the things that I say, or things like that. Like, you know, of course, you have to do what the situation calls for. But, and I feel like people actually relate to you more when you're authentic. So, if my goal is to get through to you, then I don't get through to you by talking like this and being this other person. You know, (laughs) it's like, you can tell when other people are doing it, right? Yeah. Nobody likes that. I'm like, I'm wasting every we're wasting each other's time. If you're going to be fake <laughs> and I'm going to listen, everybody has their time wasted. That's but I feel like if you come from a place of authenticity that you connect more and that's my goal to connect. So, um, that's where I'll start with that. Um, even social media online, that's my expression. That's my form of just, I can say what I feel like saying it, and then it's gone. The stories were the best thing they could have ever invented because I could say something crazy real fast, and it's gone on in 24 hours, and that's it. Um, so to spicy screenshot Thursday, <laughs> this was actually the brainchild of one of my UMBC friends, Dr. Erica Reeves, and she will always put up, and Erica, I've always known her to be a pretty soft-spoken person. <laughs> And she started, I'm like, okay, I like this little blast of, all right. And I had all these little screenshots. I would screenshot stuff that I'm like, if I was concerned, if I wasn't as concerned, what people would think I would post this. I'm like, right. you know what? If I screenshot Thursday, I was like, Erica, I'm going to pay homage to you. And then I'm like, I'm just going to post this stuff that I always save on my phone and don't put anywhere else. But yes, it's lots of opinions that may or may not be controversial or <laughs> Things that, and I feel like I can by borrowing her hashtag. I'm like, no, it's not me saying this. It's spicy screenshot. Exactly saying this.
0: No, (laughs) I'm I'm just, I'm just adding to the culture. This isn't me.
1: Exactly. (laughs) It's like Halloween. It's like you get to put on a costume. Like, no, 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 I'm not a vampire. I'm not a ghost. It's Halloween being a ghost. So I get to kind of have this mask of, oh, I'm just putting things out there that are kind of spicy that I agree with, but they're spicy.
0: That's awesome. All right, so last last question: What's next, right? What's What's next for you?
1: That's a good question. I'm trying to get out of this week. Um, (laughs) What's next is tenure. Definitely. Um, For those of you who aren't familiar with the process, it's basically a six year interview, and you put together this massive document to show your usefulness to the university to the research community in the world. And um, your peers, about eight to 10 of your peers write letters about whether or not they think you've contributed. And it starts in your department, your department votes to the college, all the way up to like the board of trustees. And wow. then you get this letter. It is, it's a year process. So I'll know a year from now, not even a year from now, I'll know at the end of the month next year, if I actually got tenure, even though I've already submitted my packet. So
0: well we will we That's know crazy. we will in a year you're going to be back on the podcast popping bottles
1: hey yes,
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> name it and claim it but no tenure's next um oh do i want to save it? there's a lot of stuff i've been saving to say to like get tenure because uh, for those of you who don't know tenure is like a job you can never not like it is a job you can never get fired from and once you get it like i'm just I'm just waiting because there's so much about academia that can be said. That's good, especially for Black women. But that next, I don't plan on being, and I want to have a social media channel for people who are in the tenure process or some sort of like outlet. Because I don't think, yeah, I feel like a lot of people, not are older, but now we're having a lot more younger professors and people graduating. But I feel like there isn't this connectivity for people who are in this process and are like, okay, everybody here is crazy. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of what I wish I had in grad school. So um, in that front, I definitely want to do something there. Um, More research with my lab, applying for more funding, recruiting more students, um, more speaking maybe, who Hmm. knows? I feel like the whole process of getting tenure is so contrived. I'm like, I can't wait till I get tenure so I can actually do research and make an impact. Versus doing things that check all these different boxes wow. in a haphazard way. Like I want to let things flow the way they should. Um, and I feel like that isn't necessarily what happens. I'm like, okay, I need to apply for these things because that's what gets paying or not because that's what interests me. So that's, that's yes, yeah, so I'm looking forward to doing what I want to do.
0: <laughs> you know, you know, what's very interesting. And I'll leave it at this. Cause Oh man. Even though there's a tenure process in academia, I believe that so many people are literally trying to apply for tenure in their own life, right? Mm. That are just checking the box. I mean, I've I've been a victim of this as well, right? Mm. Saying, "Hey, you got to sit
1: in that. You're trying to pop a tenure in your own <laughs> life."
0: Wow. I mean, but think. Wow. About, I mean, you think about it, right? I mean, even when you come out of out of college, right, it's, hey, you got to get married, you got to buy a house. These are all the things you have to check off so that you feel that you're in a position to be free to kind of do what you want. Right. But you are it's like mm. you're never obtaining that. And even as I look at, you know, mentors that I've had and adults and stuff like that, it's like you're all it, it, it appears, you know, and I, I admire people that can just be authentically them. Right. They just don't care. And not they don't care. Like, f you don't care. But just like, hey, this is me. <laughs> but so often we're sitting here just trying to obtain tenure in our own life and you never get there. So you're always trying to not rock this boat, trying not to create this wave. That's we're going to we're gonna, we're gonna have it. That's a, huge. A, we're going to have a, our next conversation that. is going to be <laughs> yes. tenure in your own life. That's good. That's good. Yeah, right. I gotta
1: sit with that. Yeah, because society tells you all the check boxes, but you like you said, you kinda just do them, not because that's what fulfills you, but yeah. because that's what you've been told you need to do or have or obtain. Wow. That's good. Man, you just you just cussed at me and told me <laughs> about myself no. in two ways. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that, that that that's why I love this it. podcast, man, because it convicts me too. So, all right, no, this is great. I appreciate you for taking the time today, fitting me into your your busy schedule, and and sitting in on a podcast. This was great. I appreciate it.
1: This was fun. Thank you for having me. I love to come back. This is
0: great. No, we are we already got two topics, so we're ready. So if oh yeah, if if somebody wants to get in touch, just um besides them just googling you. Um, how would a, <laughs> if, if, if somebody is interested in computer science you know being mentored or just understanding a little bit more uh, how would a person get in touch and be able to connect?
1: that's a good question I don't like messages uh,
0: <laughs> I can edit it off the podcast uh,
1: no, 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 I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, how do people get in touch it depends on the purpose. Okay. He says if a person is just interested in computer science.
0: Yeah, somebody just wants to reach out just to, you know, hey, you, you seem like a woman in science and engineering that, hey, you know, I just want to want to connect somebody just to, to you know, either give me some mentorship or something like that. Like, I mean, just hit you up on, yeah. on social or and go from there. I
1: was, yes, yeah, social media is good. Um, Also, my email is drdr.com k-y-l-a dot mcmullen m-c-m-u-l-l-e-n at gmail.com uh i may or may not answer just because i get a lot of emails so but social media i don't get as many messages there so if you're like oh yeah she's on twitter let me send her a message real quick i'm probably quicker to answer that because there's so few of them um yeah but also check out the podcast so we have modern figures podcast and we tell the stories of tons of women i'm just one person that's like good. we have lots of good stuff lots of good stories um just i don't know how to describe it we have a good time we laugh a lot on the podcast we talk about the similarities of our situations even differences so if you're looking for even i feel like it's like a virtual mentorship kind that's, of good. Thing, that's good you can get stories there but um, but yeah email social media, those kinds of things
0: well we're gonna drop we drop all the information in the in the show notes here so you all can can get in touch so again, thank you for 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 being a part. this was great.
1: thank you for having me. this was fun,
0: yeah so Thanks for every, each and every one of you guys that are listening. Please, like we said in the beginning, like, share, uh, rate, review. This helps us to know that you actually think it was worthwhile or not. Um, and uh, please, you know, leave a comment and we'll definitely repost and and, and retag you and let us know that uh, you thought that this was useful content. It's something that you would uh, like to hear more about. So beyond that, thank you all for tuning in and we'll see you after a while. awesome that was fun no this was great i appreciate you so much that was